them from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, there was a huge story that broke yesterday, but you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it because uh, there are all kinds of efforts for us to chase shiny objects. The latest one is the president calling Haiti and I guess some other countries uh, assholes. You know, why do we keep bringing people in to the country from these assholes? And, of course, immediately the liberals are saying, uh, well, that's racist. You know, there are ways to say things and ways to say things. And Trump has his way, but he's not a racist. Haiti's one of the most corrupt, poorly run countries on the face of the earth where the people suffer horrendously. Horrendously, which is why so many of them try to get out of there to come here. And there are places in Africa, in Asia, south of our border, as well as in Europe, which are all those things. What would you call Syria? So, uh, so this is what's burning the uh, midnight candle for uh, for the journalists out there. This is what they're all worked up about many of whom have never been to these places, many of whom would never live in these places, many of whom would never vacation in these places. But that's the way it goes. But that's not what I want to focus on. I want to focus on this big-time story. This is in uh, PJ Media by Deborah Heine, but the fact is it was broken by Sarah Carter at Fox. The FBI, listen, the FBI used the unverified anti-Trump dossier. Remember that? The one paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee. Alleging collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians to obtain the warrant from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act Court, FISA, says and reports Sarah Carter yesterday. Representatives, now we're going to get into this. This is a huge, this is a massive scandal the likes of which we've not seen. The bastardization of our intelligence agencies and federal law enforcement by a sitting Democrat administration aimed at destroying and defeating a Republican nominee, the opposition party, and after the election, his transition. Now this is a big deal. This is the sort of things that happen in asshole countries. Representatives of four committees, and and notice this does not offend. This does not offend. Oh, big deal. What are you trying to divert our attention? Representatives of four committees, the House Intel Committee, the Senate Intel Committee, House Judiciary Committee, and Senate Judiciary Committee, have been able to examine FISA documents in a secure room at the Justice Department, according to the Washington Examiner's Byron York. They were not allowed to take the documents out of the room or to copy them, but they could make notes. They thus know the answer to the was the dossier used for spying question. 
The answer to the question is classified. However, and as of yesterday morning, no one had yet leaked. Nevertheless, later in the day yesterday, according to reporter Carter, multiple sources told her that the dossier was used along with other evidence to obtain the warrant from the FISA court. And our old buddy Fox News' Sean Hannity corroborated the news on his show Wednesday night, reporting that three separate sources told him the same thing. Now this dossier, 35-page hit piece, opposition paper, was put together by former British spy Christopher Steele for the liberal opposition research firm Fusion GPS, which was funded, this project, by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee. According to Carter, the sources also stress that there will be more information in the coming weeks regarding systemic FISA abuse. Now, this dossier certainly played a role in obtaining the warrant, added another senior U.S. official with knowledge of the dossier. Congress needs to look at FBI officials who are handling this case and see what, if anything, was verified in the dossier. I think an important question is whether the FBI paid anything to the source for the dossier. Now, this source, law enforcement source, said the broader question was, why would the FBI use a Democrat-paid-for dossier to actually surveil another campaign? To show you how thoroughly and fully corrupt the media are, most of the media are ignoring this. Most of the media are ignoring this. This is such a massive scandal. We cannot live in a free society. We cannot live in a free society. When administrations of one party are surveilling candidates of another party or transitions of another party. On March 2nd, wasn't that the radio show, Mr. Producer? On March 2nd, I came behind this microphone and I put together pieces of news articles and so forth. And I told you, we didn't know about Fusion GPS yet. Something wasn't right. That there was domestic political surveillance that took place based on the public record. Based on the public record. Now, I'm going to remind you about this because there was a concerted effort to shut down even the discussion of this because I believe that we are not even close to finding out all the activity that took place by the prior administration, by the top level of the FBI, by some of the individuals in our intelligence agencies. Clapper is a very political man. Brennan is a very political man. The latter headed up the CIA. The former headed up the uh, national intelligence activities. I'm not saying they were involved in anything. I'm saying they were the wrong men in those positions. And Comey, too. We know Comey's a, a, a serial leaker. But I want to remind you about this. Not to pat myself on the head, but to remind you of how this began. We still haven't gotten to the bottom of the unmasking activity. The felonious leaking of names of Americans, of Americans, who are having discussions with foreigners who were surveilled, like the Russian ambassador. And their names were leaked to the media. 
a felony, an abuse of the Patriot Act. An absolute abuse. I feel the most comprehensive explanation of what I saw coming in March was on this radio show on March 2nd, was on Hannity a few days later, but also on Fox and Friends. I believe it was on Saturday or Sunday, on the weekend show, Sunday. Fox and Friends Sunday on March 5th. It's about five or six minutes. I'm going to play it straight through without comment. I really hope you will listen to this. And I want you, as you listen to this, to remember, I'm not inventing a single thing. Where I have questions, I say, I'm surmising, and I have questions. And after I did this program, radio and TV, I came under a frenzied, coordinated campaign of attack by the Associated Press, by CNN, by ABC, by MSNBC, and virtually every news outlet out there. I was fighting them off. I was responding to them. Even some of my friends in this business, they kept quiet. They didn't step up. Some did. Most did not. I want you to listen to this. This is from March. This is, what, 10 months ago. Cut 15, go. On your Thursday evening radio broadcast, you laid out a devastating case about executive overreach of the Obama administration, which many believe metamorphosized itself to tweets that President Trump sent out on Saturday morning, accusing potential wiretapping in Trump Tower. Uh, we want to give you a case here this morning to lay out what you know, what you know about it, and the evidence you have for the potential executive overreach of the Obama administration. Well, pleasure to be here. The evidence is overwhelming. This is not about President Trump's tweeting. This is about the Obama administration's spying. And the question isn't whether it's spied. We know they went to the FISA court twice. The question is, who did they spy on? The extent of the spying. That is, the Trump campaign, the Trump transition, Trump surrogates. And I want to walk you through this, the American people. Exhibit one. Exhibit one. This is all public. Head Street. Two separate sources with links to the counterintelligence community have confirmed that the FBI sought and was granted a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court. This is spying. Uh, in October, giving counterintelligence permission to examine the activity of, quote, U.S. persons in Donald Trump's campaign with ties to Russia. Let me go on. This isn't me. They say the first FISA request, sources say, name Trump was denied back in June, denied by the court. Mm -hmm. But the second was drawn more narrowly and was granted in October after evidence was presented of a server possibly related to the Trump campaign and its alleged links to two banks. Now, sources suggest that a FISA warrant was granted to look at the full content of emails and other related documents that may concern U.S. persons. Now, I know people are hung up with Trump's word wiretapping. Well, how'd they get access to this server information? Does it really matter? if it was wiretapping, electronic surveillance, or whatever it was. Exhibit 2, The Guardian, a well-known right-wing British paper. Here it is. Uh, quote, The Guardian has learned the FBI applied for a warrant from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court over the summer in order to monitor four members of the Trump team suspected of irregular contacts with Russian officials. Keep in mind, this is during a presidential election. The sitting president, the incumbent party, is now investigating the presidential candidate of the Republican Party and his campaign, to some extent. 
The FISA court turned down the application asking FBI counterintelligence investigators to narrow its focus. According to one report, the FBI was finally granted a warrant in October. Exhibit three, McClatchy, another well-known right-wing newspaper. Here they have the agencies. Headline, FBI, five other agencies, five other Obama administration agencies pro possible covert Kremlin aid to Trump. The FBI and five other law enforcement intelligence agencies have collaborated for months in an investigation into Russian attempts to influence the November election, including whether money from Kremlin uh, covertly aided presidential-elect Donald Trump. Two Stop. People- now I'm live. This is even bigger than I was thinking even before the show began. This dossier was used not only to get this warrant. They failed the first time, then they had the dossier, in my view, the second time, and they got the warrant from the federal judge on the FISA court. And to me, that federal judge has some uh, answering to do as well. But ladies and gentlemen, listening to that article that I'm reading 10 months ago, I now believe that dossier circulated throughout our intelligence agencies and federal law enforcement agencies. I don't believe the FBI just kept it to itself. I believe the FBI shared it with the CIA. I believe the FBI shared it with the, uh, with Clapper's operations. I believe they shared it throughout a dozen or so federal law enforcement and intelligence agencies and counterintelligence uh, departments. I believe it was broadly used by the Obama administration. And one thing that the Hill investigators, to the best I know, I not only know public reports, do not seem to be focused in on, and they should, is the presidential daily briefing. The presidential daily briefing. What did President Obama know, and when did he know it? We would know if they had those presidential daily briefings. And trust me, if a FISA warrant is issued to investigate anyone on, on the opposition's campaign or the opposition's campaign or anything of that sort, it would be in that daily presidential briefing to the President of the United States. He would have known. Susan Wright would have known. Likely Ben Rhodes would have known. And probably even Valerie Jarrett. Go ahead. The agencies involved in the inquiry are the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, the Justice Department, the Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, and representatives of the director of the National Intelligence. Are you telling me Barack Obama didn't know it was Mark, going on in six go, agencies? As you hold go on, hold on, how are hold you? On. Do, okay, keep going. I'm not done. Let me I just to, stop there. Pete Hanks is a great guy. Sorry, Pete. Apparently, I was on a roll here. Go ahead. Because the media seems to be confused about their own reporting. New York Times, another well-known liberal outlet, intercepted Russian communications part of inquiry into Trump associates January 19. The FBI is leading the investigations aided by the NSA, the CIA, Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Unit. The investigators have accelerated their efforts in recent weeks, but have found no exclusive, conclusive evidence of wrongdoing. Listen to this. One official said intelligence reports based on some of the wiretap communications have been provided to the White House. All right, let's this- stop. It's another area of investigation that needs to take place. Exactly what from this FISA court warrant, from the dossier, from these 
wiretaps, according to the media, the surveillance, exactly what was shared with the White House, exactly what was shared with President Barack Obama. I'll be right back. Mark about 90 seconds to the break at the bottom of the hour because I went a little long in the last segment. So I'm going to continue after the bottom of the hour. I hope you find this somewhat riveting and not because it's my voice but because it lays out the case of what's been taking place. This is the silhouette that I drew that's now being filled in. When I was going through the massive amount of media reporting because I decided to do my research which is what I do things started to become clear to me and frightening to me. Now we know about Fusion GPS. We didn't before. Now we know that the dossier produced with money spent by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC on opposition research, which also involved the Kremlin. There's your collusion. There's more collusion than that on the left side. Uh, now we know it was used by federal law enforcement. It was also spread around among the intelligence agencies. It was used to get a FISA warrant against an opposition candidate from another party by a Democrat administration that was doing everything it could to elect Hillary Clinton. Absolutely incredible. Liberty's Voice, Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. You know, if, uh, if I were running a fascist regime, the first voice I'd want to shut down is mine. I'm quite serious about this. I take this obligation behind this microphone very, very, very seriously. I'm not influenced by any other host, national or local. I do my own thing, and I call it as I see it. I always have as when I did this program on Fox and Friends and prior to that on March 2nd on my radio show and the next day after Fox and Friends on Hannity. And as I say, I came under a withering attack for a week and there were a handful of people in this business who defended me. The vast majority of them sat on their hands and kept their mouths shut, which is rare. They never shut up. And look how this is all taking place now. Because all we had to do is read their leaks. Now you had to put them together. They weren't ubiquitous. They weren't in one simple place. They weren't on a website where most of these talk guys get their information. No, you actually had to dig and do some work. You actually had to dig and do some work. And I didn't have all the pieces, but as a former chief of staff to an attorney general, Ed Meese, in the Reagan administration, I knew this stunk to high heaven. And it does stink to high heaven. It's incredible. And by the way, as I speak, the media cannot stop reporting about and talking about Trump asking, and I paraphrase, why we are uh, importing people in this country from assholes. Let me ask you folks a question. Would it have been better if he called the people in Haiti deplorables? Would it have been better if he called the people in Africa deplorables? Would it have been better if he called the people in Central and South America deplorables? Would it have been better if he called the people in uh, in Asia, Russia, China, so forth deplorables? 
You see, the same liberals who are offended by what Trump said hate us, trash us all the time. The American citizen. We're deplorables. There's something wrong with us. But you dare say anything about a foreign country, then there's something wrong with you. How sick is that? More on that later. Back to this program on Fox and Friends Sunday. Peak Hegseth is uh, interviewing me. <laughs> Poor guy. But I, I needed to get through this. We only have a couple minutes of this left. Back to Exhibit 4, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. This is the New York Times, another my right-wing Exhibit outlet. 4. Another right-wing outlet, Let's yeah. continue. <laughs> New York Times again. NSA gets more latitude to share intercepted communications. In the final days of the Obama administration, uh, the administration has expanded the power of the NSA to share globally intercepted personal communications with the government's 16 other intelligence agencies before applying privacy protections. Now, why would they do this on the way out the door? Well, March 1, Exhibit 6, Obama administration rushed to preserve intelligence of Russian election hacking. In the Obama administration's last days, listen to this, some White House officials scrambled to spread information about Russian efforts to undermine the presidential election and about possible contacts between associates of President-elect Trump and Russians across the government. I'm not done. <laughs> Exhibit 7. Now, New let's York stop Times. right there. Let's stop right there. So they're getting their information from two sources. They're active surveillance through the FISA court and other means through ongoing uh, surveillance of the Russian ambassador and others through the back door. So they were through the back door getting information, collecting it on, uh, on Trump world. They were using the uh, FISA court, getting information on Trump world. I say Trump world because I don't know the specifics yet. Very few of us do. Uh, and they were leaking information to the media. We now know that the, I believe that the texts indicate to us that senior investigators at the FBI were leaking to the media. We now know that others were leaking the unmasking of names to the media. This, this is a massive campaign. A massive campaign against the President of the United States. A massive campaign. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. Flynn is said to have talked to Russians about sanctions. Trump took office. Well, where'd they get this information? Hello. Well, Mark, you know the FISA court. They're always monitoring the, uh, the uh, Russian ambassador. And so how do we know that? Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But there's an awful lot of other activity. Sure. Here we have Washington Post. One more. Washington Post, March 2nd. U.S. investigators have examined contacts Attorney General Sessions had with Russian officials during the time he was advising Donald Trump's campaign. The focus of the U.S. counterintelligence investigation has been on communication between Trump campaign officials mm -hmm. and Russia. Listen to this. The inquiry involving Sessions is examining his contacts while serving as Trump's foreign policy advisor in the spring and summer of 2016. This has been going on for a year. Four. Pretty incredible. Cut 16, go. As you do on your yeah. radio program, you lay out a devastating case based on public documents, as you point out, and not right-wing uh, sources, but mainstream left-stream sources. How confident are you that this new this investigation, which was on Russian so-called Russian hacking, but now the White House says this morning will be broadened to looking into executive overreach, how confident Look, are you they will find something there? I don't know, but let, 
They already found something. The issue isn't whether the Obama administration spied on the Trump campaign or transition or certain of its surrogates. The issue is the extent of it. Mm-hmm. They went into court a second time. They were so aggressive. They waited four or five months. They go back in October, weeks before the general election. They narrow their request. All of a sudden, we have leaks coming out on Flynn. Then we have a, oh, a horrible meeting that took place between Sessions and so forth. And I'm telling you, as a former chief of staff to an attorney general of the United States in the Reagan administration, these are police state tactics. Now, what did Barack Obama know? He knew everything I just read to you apart, apart from one or two articles. You know how I know? It's in the newspapers. It's right there. So Barack Obama not only knew this, but he gets a daily intelligence briefing. And let me tell you something about daily intelligence briefings. If your attorney general and your FBI is going to the FISA court yep. to get a warrant to investigate aspects of an opposition party in the middle of a general election campaign, how much you want to bet the president of the United States knew that? I don't want to Read bet his you opinion. And I'm live again. And ladies and gentlemen, also, you heard that clip. They were surveilling, and they got the name of Jeff Sessions, Senator. Now, I want you to listen to me, because I'm thinking about this as, I, as we go along here. This is how they forced his recusal. They got his name as a senator. He did absolutely nothing wrong. He didn't convey anything he wasn't supposed to convey. He didn't coordinate with the Russians. These are absolutely innocent, non-substantive events. And yet they used it to, first of all, try and destroy him at subsequent hearings in the Senate. But they used it to pressure him to recuse himself. This is how diabolical all of this is. If they could take out a Trump loyalist, and that's what they did. That's what they did. After I brought all this out, in these various programs, my radio show, Fox and Friends Sunday, Hannity on Monday, in early March. The media, the New York Times and these other left-wing outlets, essentially shut down their investigative activities. Because they realized that what I had done was said, okay, we believe you. We believe you. I've got these disparate reports. This reporter saying this for this news agency. This reporter saying this for this news agency. This reporter saying this. Over a period of months, I put them together. Look what's going on. Domestic surveillance, political surveillance of Trump world by Obama world. And now we know that Hillary Clinton's campaign and the DNC paid for the dossier. Which was coordinated with Kremlin apparatchiks through a ex-British spy. You never would have thought of this. This could be a movie. A movie you wouldn't even believe. And yet, we have a special counsel investigating Trump and Trump were out for collusion with the Russians when there's not a scintilla of evidence or a syllable in any report that justifies it. He's not investigating Mueller and his team of hacks and his FBI leakers. He's not investigating the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC and the law firm and Mark Elias. He's not investigating uh, uh, the ex-British spy and what the Kremlin did to produce this dossier and hand it to Comey and the rest of them. He's not investigating that. He's investigating long-ago financial deals with Manafort 
He's creating process crimes. The whole narrative has been turned on its head. You have top officials still in this government, top officials in this last government, who are abusing power as if this was the old Soviet Union. And when I brought it up, when I bring it up today, I am attacked. One of the most ruthless, mindless, bizarre people on TV today and news is this Brian Stelter of Towson State. Comes after me tongues, with tongues. You don't know that there was a FISA court application. I said, read the reports. Yeah, you can't, it's the only conclusion you can reach. Well, you don't know that, so well, why don't you investigate it? Well, we are. Well, there is. Has the guy ever said, you know what, you were right and I was wrong and I should have really pursued that? No. What is he doing? Every weekend on CNN, attacking the president, saying that he's mentally ill, he's mentally deranged. Brian Stelter, you ought to look in the mirror because you're defining yourself. You're a disgrace at a time when we really need a free press, at a time when we really need investigative reporters. We don't have them. With all the news outlets, network, cable, satellite, with all the news outlets out there, with the billions and billions of dollars they spend in quote-unquote collecting news and presenting news, they will not go here because they are protecting the scandal of the century, not just this century, the last century. There has never been anything like this. Never. And there's only one political party trying to get the answers. And even in that political party, there's only a part of that political party that's trying to get the answers. The Senate Intelligence Committee is more interested in bipartisanship with the obstructors in the Democrat Party than getting to the bottom of it. The Senate Judiciary Committee is trying to get to the bottom of it. The House Intelligence Committee and a hero, Devin Nunes, is leading the way trying to get to the bottom of it. And look what they did to him. Ethics complaint filed against him. He had to step back for a period of months. Now he's back. They tried to take him out. As they tried to take me out. Why? Why are they so worked up? What are they hiding? They're hiding everything. It's amazing. And the irony is, in the end, they may get a lot from Trump that they want. Based on the last week or ten days. But you see, for me, ladies and gentlemen, I can disagree with this president on the meeting he had and hope for the best with respect to immigration. But where we all must draw the line is when the instrumentalities of our federal government, which is enormously powerful, are used to corrupt the Constitution, to reverse the results of an election, to, to destroy the heart and soul of our republic. We must stand up and fight it. We must. And we have a Democrat party. Why are they working so hard? We actually have Democrats to, to obstruct us. Democrats who have... Complain to the Justice Department, why did you release those texts about that FBI agent 
who was cheating on his wife and the woman he was cheating with. Why did you release those texts that show that the guy's a partisan hack? Why are you releasing more texts? That certainly suggests they were leaking to the media. And I told you months ago, senior people at the FBI are obviously leaking at the media, with the media, and they have a history of it. And they are. Comey leaked to the media. This guy Stroke leaked to the media. His girlfriend may have leaked to the media, and I bet there are others. The names of unmasked American citizens during the course of foreign counterintelligence surveillance leaked to the media. Where's the ACLU? Nowhere. Where are the left-wing civil rights groups? Nowhere. Nowhere. Where's the great freedom of the press? Nowhere. Just me, sitting in my little bunker. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. hour, by the way, we'll continue this, but I also want to get into the Iran disaster that is unfolding on Capitol Hill. The leaks by Corker, the disinformation by Corker. I've never seen the work, man work so hard on behalf of the Iranians in my life. It's true. Unbelievable. They're working for illegal aliens. They're working for the Iranians. American people, the deplorables, you know. Here's a great New Year's resolution. Resolve right here and right now that January is the month and 2018 is the year you're going to stop living in fear of the IRS. Resolve right now to stop worrying if today is the day the IRS shows up at your work. Resolve to stop lying awake at night worrying how you'll provide for your family after the IRS garnishes your wages and freezes your bank accounts. Turn your resolution into reality and call the number one tax resolution firm, Optima Tax Relief. Optima knows that behind every tax problem are good people, people with families, homes, savings, and paychecks that need protection. Now, this explains how they've resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients, and they're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Plus, these guys are experts in helping their clients take advantage of the Fresh Start Initiative. Perhaps the biggest break the IRS has offered, give yourself the gift of resolution this year. Call the experts that I trust at Optima Tax Relief. Here's their number. I strongly encourage you to use it. 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. All right. Mark, Tyler, Texas, the great KTBB. Quickly, sir, go. I'd like for you to do the Levin Nation, the Justice Department, all Americans, a big favor. I'd like for you to do another timeline, just like you did for the wiretap, but do a timeline for the destruction of Cheryl Mills and Heather Samuelson's, Clinton's attorneys, when Comey gave them the green light that they could destroy their computers, they could destroy their laptop computers, and that the FBI, when they were searching their computers as it relates to the server fiasco, that they would not go after anything. They wouldn't even search their computers right. after January 31st of 2015. Because, Mark, if you'll do that timeline and get on Fox and Friends, you're going to see it's just going to blow wide open. The computers mm -hmm. were destroyed in September of 16. 
Mark Elias became hired fusion back in April 16, months before. And in the summer of 16 it was, is when this was just piping hot. And, buddy, you could just, just, again, you could do just America. Says here you're a prosecutor. Yeah, I'm a former prosecutor. That's correct. Former and, prosecutor. And I'll call it, well, we talked before, Mark. Is that the I remember you. One time on the obstruction of justice facing Comey. I mean, it's, it's obstruction of justice under Prosecution 101, what Comey mm-hmm. did in allowing Mills and Samuelson immunity without getting their sworn testimony. All right, Mark. Great call. We'll look into this, too. God bless you. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. A final couple-minute clip. Then I want to jump into Iran. We're going to have uh, the great former ambassador to the U.N. from the United States, John Bolton, on here because a lot's going on. And it turns out Bob Corker is every bit as diabolical as I've said he is. And we have the Secretary of State, Tillerson, and the Secretary of Defense, Mattis, the lead dogs. And Mad Dog, I think, works in this instance, uh, in capitulating to Iran. I mean, I know that sounds amazing. But that's the wet noodle triangle right there. The wet noodle triangle is Corker, Mattis, and Tillerson. I'm told McMaster somewhat, but less so. So I'll, I'll move him out of my sights. We're talking about Mattis, Tillerson, and Corker, the wet noodle triangle, which is giving this horrific advice to the President of the United States. In the case of Corker, he has absolutely gone rogue. And his leaks to the media are endless. And I'll get into that later. Anyway, here's the final clip I wanted to play for you from March 5, 2017, Fox and Friends, with my friend Pete Hetseth and, uh, and Cuts, or oh, Abby Huntsman in this case. Cut 17, go. How does this play out uh, in the media? How are they going to continue to cover this story? Let me first say, this is the case made by the New York Times, the Washington Post, McClatchy, and the rest of them. I just put it together as a former Justice Department official. And, a, and, and Donald Trump here is being attacked for what he tweeted. Donald Trump is the victim. His campaign is the victim. His transition team is the victim. His surrogates are the victim. These are police state tactics. I am telling you this as a former chief of staff to an attorney general. If this had been done to Barack Obama, all hell would break loose. And it should. And Barack Obama's statement is pathetic. Mark. I, we, uh, uh, let me just say this. Where does it go from here? They ought to release both FISA court applications where they sought the warrant. The one Let's the stop here. They finally have, apparently, in the sense that uh, certain members of these of the uh, intelligence committees have been able to view uh, the applications in, uh, I'm guessing, the vault room in the basement of the Justice Department, which I'm quite familiar with. Go right ahead. October, so we know exactly what they were doing. That's number one. Number two... Congress needs to see the daily presidential intelligence briefings over the past year or so. Those are the beginnings of a a serious investigation. Number three, for the Republicans in Congress, you control the majority. If the Democrats do not want to assist, and they won't, 
Because I'm starting to think Chuck Schumer and the others are participating in all this cover-up activity, then plow ahead without them. But this is important to the country. We cannot have a sitting presidential administration unleashing six federal agencies, intelligence and law enforcement. I don't mean the president personally sitting there and saying, you know what, Valerie, let's go get them. Obviously, the attorney general and the FBI were involved in this. This is how you get a FISA court application prepared and submitted. Do you, think, do you, think, uh, do you think former yeah. President Obama was involved in this? And if so, how much was he involved? I'm not Nostradamus here. I just think <laughs> that we ought to find out. But I, but I will tell you this. He's more involved than he says. I mean, it's his executive branch. It's his Justice Department. Mine's right. with the IRS. All of a sudden, the IRS is, is targeting American citizens. I don't know anything about it. Uh, we have reporters, including James Rose and the AP, where, where the Obama administration did more investigations of reporters than any administration in American history. They're quite capable of these things. But it doesn't matter. We want to know what took place. And there ought to be public hearings on this stuff, too. I agree with the Democrats. Let's get to the bottom of this. So join me. Join us. This is the public record. Yeah. It's the newspaper of record, the New York Times. Let's go. And, of course, a lot has happened since that ten months ago, hasn't it? A lot of what I said has taken place. What, of, what I could, you know, determine, what I could discern had taken place, did take place. And there's more to find out. There's much more to find out. And it's really sad, other than a relative handful of Republicans, most of them conservatives on Capitol Hill, the Democrats, their diabolical behavior run circles around the Republicans. The Republicans have no idea what hits them, whether it's immigration, whether it's Obamacare, whether it's taxes, whether it's defunding of the military. That's what's going on here. We are defunding the military in order to uh, to accommodate the Democrats who insist every dollar increase for the Marines, we need a dollar increase for food stamps. Now, I want to swing into another issue. You're the smartest audience of all audiences, so you can keep up with this stuff. In fact, you're way ahead of me. I want to get back to Iran. This is going on. Now here we can chew gum and walk at the same time. Many places they can't. Here's a headline story in the Weekly Standard. Senator Ted Cruz waving Iran sanctions would be a serious mistake as lawmakers work on a legislative fix for the Iran deal The Texas senator says it endangers American lives. Now, this is the same regime that killed hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of American soldiers in Iraq. I just want you to remember that. Senator Ted Cruz today suggested that President Donald Trump buck members of the foreign policy establishment who are desperately trying to save the 2015 Obama nuclear deal and not waive sanctions lifted under the agreement ahead of a series of related deadlines. Waiving the sanctions... On the Ayatollah, while protesters are dying in the streets, would be a serious mistake, mistake, Cruz told the Weekly Standard. We should be doing everything humanly possible to support, to encourage those protests, to tell the Iranian people we stand with you. Now, Trump must decide, folks, in coming days whether to continue waiving sanctions on Iran that were lifted under the nuclear deal. Not waiving the sanctions, Cruz said, is a step that naturally follows from the president's refusal to certify a condition related to the nuclear deal in October, namely that continued sanctions relief to Iran is proportionate to the measures taken by Iran under the deal. You know the sad thing about this is, 
Say what you will about George W. Bush. George W. Bush put in place economic crushing sanctions against Iran. That regime was teetering. It was on life support. And in comes Obama. And in comes Hillary Clinton. And then later in comes John Kerry. In comes the appeasement Europeans. In comes the Russians who see an opportunity and the Chinese who see an opportunity. And our government under Obama is responsible for the transfer of $150 billion to a regime that was teetering. A regime that is a direct threat to the United States. A direct threat to the United States. They're not building ICBMs to hit Jerusalem. They're building ICBMs to hit Jersey City. That's what they're doing. Although they intend to hit Jerusalem too, quite frankly. Cruz said, there are voices in the foreign policy establishment world in Washington who are desperately trying to save the Iran deal, even though it has failed. It endangers American lives. It endangers the lives of all our allies. Now, the culprit in this, ladies and gentlemen, right now, uh, actually, there are three of them in the, uh, that would be uh, Mattis over at the Pentagon. He's not a mad dog. He's a lap dog. He's a lap dog. This, uh, this noodle triangle, this noodle, not iron triangle, noodle triangle, Mattis, Tillerson, always, always a joke, and Corker. Tillerson and Corker are so close that Tillerson has hired a Corker aide as one of his top advisors. So they're working, you see, Corker and Ben Cardin, dumb as a doorknob. They've been discussing a legislative fix with the administration that could satisfy a months-old demand from the president to resolve the deal's flaws. Trump warned in October if the administ- uh, that, uh, that uh, work with Congress and all, but if these uh, flaws aren't fixed, he's going to can the deal. Well, can it? The Maryland Democrat hesitated to describe recent talks with the White House as negotiations and noted that Trump officials are still working on winning European support, a prerequisite for Democratic buying. I am told by an inside source, quite frankly, in the White House, no, Trump officials are not working with the Europeans. Corker is working with the Europeans. Corker has gone rogue. Corker. They're still working on talking to Europe to see whether they can get that type of commitment. Senator Corker and I both set the stage two months ago, uh, says this guy Cardin, uh, when we said, you've got to get Europe on board and you can't violate the nuclear deal. Cardin said he does not have a copy of the draft legislation, but said that to his knowledge, the administration has been distributing copies to the Europeans. Again, Corker is. I believe that language has changed over time. I'm not even sure where they are on that. So so Cardin supports this, and he doesn't even know what the hell he's supporting. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's there to defend Obama's legacy, not the American people. This is a disaster. We're on the uh, disaster. We're on a precipice of a uh, absolute disaster here. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. time with our connection with John Bolton. We'll keep working on it. We hope we can pull this off, but it's not a good connection. And since we can't hear him, it keeps going staccato. There's no point. So we'll work on it. 
Um, I'm very, very troubled by this Iran deal because I believe this Iran deal is eventually going to wind up with us going to war with Iran. I've talked about the comparison, even though we don't need to make one, between North Korea and Iran. North Korea is a terrible threat to this country. The only geographic uh, designs that North Korea has, frankly, is on South Korea. Now, that's not good. I'm not dismissing it. That's terrible. But Iran is a theocracy. It is an Islamo-Nazi regime. And its vision is a worldwide caliphate. Now, a worldwide caliphate is not possible unless you blow America off the face of the earth, unless you conquer America. Moreover, they're not building ICBMs to hit Yemen. They're already, they've already overthrown the government in Yemen. They've already secreted themselves, really openly, not even secreted themselves, the government in Iraq. They have a big foothold in Syria. They're working closely with the other nut job in Turkey. Erdogan. Hezbollah is their terrorist militia wing in Lebanon, among other places. They're trying to topple the monarchy in Saudi Arabia. They are trying to topple Sisi in Egypt. They obviously have as the goal a second holocaust with Israel. This regime was teetering until Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, later John Kerry, and the appeasement Europeans, the Russians, of course, the Chinese, of course, decided that let's save the regime. Obama is worse than Neville Chamberlain. I've said this now since this deal was instituted. Neville Chamberlain didn't finance the Third Reich. Barack Obama has financed the Little Third Reich, the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. He also, as we have learned, told the Iranians when the Israelis were prepared to assassinate the top terrorist general in Iran. That's breaking news today. He tipped off the Iranians. We've had two incredible reports Incredible, not only because of the reports, but that they were in Politico, by Josh Meyer, who's best as I can tell, doesn't have an ideological agenda. In his first report, heavily substantiated, unlike Mike Wolf running around trashing Trump, this guy's a serious journalist, and yet he's not paid attention to the way Mike Wolf is. His first report, he went down case after case after case of terrorist and would-be terrorists, how the Obama administration let them off, how the Obama administration did not seek to capture them, even though many of our uh, federal departments and agencies were prepared to do so, were poised to do so, including one Iranian who was getting material to the regime in Tehran that would be used to contribute to their nuclear effort. That is unbelievable. Then he writes a second piece a few weeks ago, citing on and off the record top sources in the government and former government officials who say we were about to crush Hezbollah, crush them, 
and their massive drug ring all over the world, which was bringing billions of dollars into their terrorist operations, their terrorist operations which reach far beyond the Middle East, that project far beyond the Middle East, including into our own hemisphere. And Barack Obama stopped them. He stopped them. And then, of course, tonight we learn that the Israelis had a beat on the the top terrorist in the regime, the general of the Quds, who's responsible for so many hundreds of American soldiers being killed and so many hundreds of them being maimed, losing their limbs, losing their sight, losing parts of their skull and all the rest. The Israelis were going to take him out, and Obama alerts the Iranians and sabotages the effort. I want you to think about this. And all night tonight, the news is Donald Trump being attacked for calling certain countries or areas of the world S-holes. I said, he should have just said, we don't need deplorables from those countries. Then then it would have been like Hillary Clinton. But they would have attacked him for that. What a racist, what a jerk, can you believe this? And on and on, all night. The world's burning. And this is what they talk about. We have an Iranian deal. Is there another person in the country talking about this on the radio? I don't know. I can't even listen anymore. Is there another person in the country on TV talking about this Iranian deal? What's going on in the shadows with this rogue Senator Bob Corker? Bob Corker, who helped eviscerated the treaty clause. Bob Corker, who ensured, who ensured that this deal would go through despite the fact that he goes on camera and says he's against it. And it proves my point. It underscores it and puts an exclamation mark about it. That he wanted this deal. Because now he's doing everything he can to protect it. Like the bridge over the River Kwai. This is the bridge. With a British colonel building a bridge with slave British labor. POWs. And he's supposed to blow it up. Supposed to blow it up when the Japanese troop train comes across. And he will not do it. He's so in love with this bridge. And ultimately it does blow up. With a not, not so well done, uh, he's shot and he falls on the plunger and the bridge blows up, you know. But for Bob Corker, he's the British colonel in the movie. For Bob Corker, this is the bridge. The Iran deal. And Mr. Mattis over there at the Defense Department, all the talk about mad dog. Oh, my God, we got a mad dog over there. Sounds like a lap dog to me. And Rex Tillerson, Mr. Exxon Mobile. What a buffoon. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. It's true. It's true. What a bunch of deplorables. I'll be right back. Call us now at 877-381-3811. And the liberal contact number is 877-381-3811. You know, if you're starting off this uh, new year with some resolutions, can I suggest one that we should all try together? Stop watching fake news. We'll bring you the clips 
as we find them and so forth. But don't sit down and watch them live from beginning to end. Last year we saw how far the liberal media will go, even at the expense of their own credibility. If you missed the last couple episodes of Levin TV, you know, we recapped the Obama surveillance scandal at the end of the year. It started with total mockery of yours truly by the media and ended with complete vindication. These are the kinds of stories you're only going to get on CRTV. We are bringing you the truth night in and night out. And let me tell you something. 2018 is shaping up to be a huge year for CRTV. We're adding new shows from hosts like Andrew Wilkow and Ali Stuckey and a lot more. And the price? Well, it's less than 8 bucks a month when you use promo code LEVIN. That's L-E-V-I-N. It's time to fight back against liberal media. Do yourself a big favor. Give us a try at CRTV. We're going to give you a week completely free to try us out. That's CRTV.com. Make sure you use promo code LEVIN, that's L-E-V-I-N, to take $10 off your annual subscription. So sign up now at CRTV.com or give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV. That's 844-L-E-V-I-N-TV. And I want to remind you of something else, too. We're giving a, you a new way to listen to the Mark Levin Show this year. You can now hear me on your Amazon Echo device. Your Amazon Echo device. All you have to do is say, Alexa, enable the Mark Levin Show skill. One more time. Alexa, enable the Mark Levin Show skill. The word skill. You'll connect with me immediately. It's instant. And after that, whenever you want my, my show, you just say, Alexa, Open Mark Levin Show. Alexa, open Mark Levin Show. Now, for more information about this, go online to marklevinshow.com and search the keyword Alexa. marklevinshow.com, keyword Alexa. So we're setting up yet another platform. There's like 10 or 20 of them for you to engage and listen to this program. All right. We're not going to get John Bolton. The connection just doesn't work. and There's nothing else I can do about it. All right, let's go. Billy, Manhattan, the great WABC in New York. Go. Yes, good evening, great one. Yes, so sir. What you say to me about uh, Talker, it sounds to me like, why is he running amok? Why is Trump not putting him in his place and knocking him down? It's like, it sounds like Corker's acting like he's the president of the United States, and he's not. Well, the concern I have is the president's cabinet. You've got Tillerson, who's advising the president to follow Corker. You've got Mattis, who's advising the president to follow Corker. They're actually working with Corker. Uh, and I think the president, the way he manages, is he's, he's going to sit back and wait and see what comes to him. So when you say, you know, why doesn't he put Corker in his place and that sort of thing, I don't think he views it that way. And it concerns me a lot. And hopefully H.R. McMaster will step up and help the president with this. Somebody needs to. I just you know, the, pre the president ought to meet with Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz and a handful of others and get the full uh, and get the full spectrum of what's going on here. That was a rotten deal when he ran for office. It was a rotten deal when Obama unconstitutionally instituted, and it's a rotten deal today. Well, it's, I'm just waiting for Trump to get rid of this thing. It's it's incredible. It's taken so long. You know, it drives me nuts every time we hear about this. Yeah, me too. Just kill it. Be done with kill it. it. All right, brother, thank you. Fariba, in Beverly Hills, I guess, California, Sirius Satellite. How are you? Thank you so much. Yes, I am fine, thank you. 
Go right ahead, my friend. Well, uh, you, um, I wanted to talk about, um, as an Iranian uh, Jewish that came uh, to America uh, seven years after the revolution, uh, mm-hmm. we endured a lot. Um, and uh, we went through the legal uh, naturalization and everything. You were talking about the, uh, the terrorist government of Iran. Yes. And what I have, uh, I and a lot of Iranians have uh, came to conclusion is that uh, the Obama was brought in by the Saudis and was his main um, um, target, I mean, and goal was Islamization of America. And he did nothing for even the black people in America. And um, he, as you know, he. Well, let me just correct. He wasn't brought in by the Saudis. He was brought in by the progressives, the radical kook left in this country. He was a community organizer. Nobody heard about him. I agree. So he never once mentioned radical Islamist terrorists. No, he didn't. Yes, because he was part of it. Well, listen, I can't go there that he was part of it. If you're suggesting to me that he appeased it and funded it in the case of Iran, I think you're right. I want to thank you for your call. And I want you folks to think about something. And I said it back then. Nobody has given more money to the cause of terrorism than Barack Obama. Let me repeat it so Media Matters can hear me. Nobody has given more money to the cause of terrorism by funding the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran than Barack Obama. It's incredible, isn't it? Think about it, because it's true. Tom, Washington, D.C., the great W-M-A-L, go. Yeah, this is a little off-subject but uh, uh, from earlier discussion and things that just drive me nuts. And I wish to point out, we keep hearing, and I hear supposed experts. Uh, Let me, Mr. Producer, let me put you on hold a minute. We finally got a connection with John Bolton. We've had had a little trouble getting a connection. John Bolton, are you there, sir? I'm here. It wasn't your trouble. It was my fault. My apologies. All right. It's no sweat. I want to get right to it. This Iran deal, I'm quite concerned that Bob Corker's gone rogue here, that he's working with all the worst elements in this administration, including the Secretary of State. These are my words, not yours. This is a deal that ought to be killed. They're trying to revive it, and in fact, they're going to make it almost impossible for this president or future presidents to ever kill a deal like this. What have you heard? Well, I hear much the same thing. I'm not sure the president has actually made a decision. Uh, I just wish that... uh that uh, I could uh, convey to him how strongly, how, how strongly I feel, how important it is at this particular moment in history to kill this deal entirely. Look, as you and I have discussed, this deal is a strategic mistake for the United States when it was entered into in 2015. Uh, it doesn't matter whether Iran has violated the deal or not, although I'd be prepared to discuss at considerable length uh, just exactly what their violations have been. The fact is the deal is harmful to the United States, and we should get out of it as soon as possible. But especially now, when we've seen people rise up in over 100 cities across Iran to demand the end of the regime, chanting death to Khamenei to try and get out from this uh, extremist terror-supporting regime, now to not to turn the screws on to the extent possible, I just think it would be a tragic missed opportunity for the president not to follow his own instincts uh, about how to handle this. Have you been um, contacted by, uh, for advice by H.R. McMaster, the National Security Council director? Uh, I have not, no. 
Have you been contacted for advice by the Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson? No. Have you been contacted by advice by Mad Dog uh, uh, Mattis over there at the Pentagon? Never met him. Mr. Corker, has he asked you for your input? No, I, I'm not waiting for the phone by the phone for that one. Either. Okay, so here you are, one of the most brilliant foreign policy thinkers we have in this country. You served in the Reagan administration. You served in the Bush administration. You were a great ambassador to the United Nations. You're a strategic thinker. And not a single top official in this administration has consulted you. And Mr. Corker, whose background is in developments and building malls, he hasn't consulted you. Don't you find this a little odd? Uh, actually, I don't. And let me tell you why. The people who are advising the president not to get out of the deal, to, to put in a few pinprick sanctions for human rights violations, but not to bring back the really sweeping nuclear sanctions, are people who don't want to get out of the deal ever. Mm -hmm. They are finding ways to extend uh, our uh, adherence to the deal, hoping against hope that every three months, every 90 days, uh, they can find another way to persuade the president to stay in. And what they're pursuing now is to eliminate the 90-day certification requirement entirely. So because they know every time it comes up, the president gets agitated. He knows what he wants to do with this deal. And there's a risk that one of these days uh, he'll actually get out of it. So the way they're fixed, this, this fix people keep talking about, centers on not bringing to the president's attention that the deal still exists and it's still harmful to American interests. And that's really the test. It's not whether... Uh, our European friends will be irritated because some of their deals with Iran will be affected. Uh, it's not whether the Ayatollahs will be irritated. It's is in America's national interest. This deal was a bad deal for America, a dangerous deal in 2015, and it has not gotten any better with age. you got to sit back sometimes, as I do, and look at this and ask yourself, let me ask you if you do, the amount of of, of push and fight to sustain this deal by Bob Corker and some other Republicans is absolutely mind-boggling. The case of Bob Corker, he greased the skids for this by setting up a statutory regime which got around the treaty clause of the Constitution and flipped everything on its head where a president could veto a congressional objection to his deal and they would need 60 votes in order to override his veto, rather than him needing two-thirds of the Senate for a treaty. And Bob Corker was on TV saying, I disagree with this deal. And now today he's fighting. He's the lead fighter to keep it. He can't seriously say he disagrees with the deal now, can he? Uh, it, it's just inconsistent with the positions he's taken in the past. The fact is, uh, Obama didn't want Senate consideration of this as a treaty, so he never submitted the document to the Senate. What that means is, if you're in the Senate and you believe in the Senate's constitutional treaty path, you've got to fight for it. You've got to cut off appropriations to the State Department. You've got to wake the administration up. You've got to use the power of the purse to force Obama to send it up as a treaty. If he had, it would have been defeated then. So I think anybody uh, understanding that history uh, who watched this thing go through, I give. I just think it's reprehensible. I give enormous credit to Tom Cotton, who I believe was the only member of the, the only one against Corker Cardin. The, yeah. the only one at the time. And <clears throat> I have a different take on this. You might noodle over it when we leave here, which is 
the Senate doesn't even have to wait for this president to submit it. If he's going to go ahead and push forward with this deal through international organizations and so forth, Mitch McConnell could have said, we're going to treat this as a treaty. He doesn't have the right to bypass us. We're going to treat this as a treaty. We are going to debate the language that he's put forward, and we're going to vote it up or down, and we'll see at the Supreme Court. Yeah, I don't. I think it is a constitutional requirement that the president submitted to the Senate. I think uh, that was part of the design. The, the problem that, that has occurred over 70 to 100 years is the Senate has just given up uh, the bulk of its treaty uh, ratification power. Uh, but if there were ever uh, an international agreement for the Senate to take a stand and fight to get that power back, this was it. And facilitating Barack Obama being able to implement this treaty was was a, a huge tragedy for the country and a worse tragedy for the Senate and its constitutional authority. President shall have power by and with the advice and consent of the Senate to make treaties, provided two-thirds of the Senate's, senators present concur. We have a little disagreement over this one. It doesn't much matter. Nothing happened anyway. No, but the point is the same. This was a, an international agreement that should have been presented to the Senate. This is precisely yes. the kind of arms control agreement that has historically always gone to the Senate. And for Obama to disregard uh, what I think was the clear uh, purpose of the, of the ratification clause should have caused the Senate, and I might say the House, uh, to have a uh, constitutional struggle. It did not happen, and that was a tragedy. All right, my friend, John Bolton, we appreciate it. You take care of yourself. Okay, Mark, you too. Take care. Now. All right, there's former ambassador to the United Nations, John Bolton. I just have a little disagreement with it. It's, it's, it's really not relevant here, but the exact text is that the president, quote, shall have power buying with the advice and consent of the Senate to make treaties, provided two-thirds of the senators present concur. What I would have argued on the Senate floor is, okay, we're going to treat this as a treaty whether he submits it or not. There's nothing hidden here about submission. Of course he should. Uh, but we've got to stop this kind of uh, government by uh, presidential fiat, especially when it comes to a massive international treaty like this uh, that has enormous consequences for the future of this country. That's just my take. That's what I would have done. All right, we'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Our $20 trillion national debt, over $200 trillion in unfunded liabilities, by the way, but our $20 trillion fiscal operating debt is estimated to be $40 trillion in the next 12 years. Is anybody talking about controlling the debt? Anybody? Now, a debt train this large can only be headed towards disaster. As we print more and more dollars, we lose more and more buying power. Investors know that it's not what you have, but what you keep. That's why they diversify their portfolios. Again, diversify their portfolios to help keep their buying power strong when the dollar goes weak. I've partnered with a wonderful sponsor, PM Capital. I know these folks. I know one of the uh, primary folks there, Scott Carter. I've known him a long time. And uh, PM Capital understands wealth preservation. Helping you keep your buying power is their goal. Many investors are diversifying their portfolios and IRAs right now with gold and silver. Don't be caught on the tracks of the debt train disaster. Diversify today. That's the key. Learn more by claiming your free PM Capital Investor Guide and 
for a limited time, you can receive $500 in free gold or silver on qualifying purchases. All you have to do is call them. Just dial them. Here, listen to this. Pound 250. Pound 250. And say the keyword Mark Levin. That's pound 250, keyword Mark Levin. Now, PM Capital Specialists are standing by right now for your call. Right now, they're there. Again, call pound 250 and say Mark Levin. Pound 250, Mark Levin. Now's the time to diversify. The stock market's going through the roof. Things seem calm, but the debt is exploding. The debt is exploding. So protect yourself. Diversify. There's no pain in that. Call pound 250 and say Mark Levin. All right. Let's see if we can slip in a call right now. Let us go to Fred Morris, Minnesota, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Yes, uh, Mark. Uh, say, I was uh, thinking about this <clears throat> Um, the sanctions against Iran, and I couldn't help but uh, see a parallel between, you know, what Congress does, you know, and then they have the president. Um, it's up to the president to implement it. And when the Congress passed a law saying that Jerusalem would be the capital of Jerusalem, it was always up to the president. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. When Congress passed the law, yeah, but the president had to trigger it. Go ahead. Right. And so when Trump finally said, okay, we're going to recognize Jerusalem as the capital, then the Congress was up in arms about it. And here mm-hmm. we go again with the Iran sanctions, and every 30 or 90 days, uh, Congress, or the president has to approve the sanctions. And it just seems that there's a parallel here that the Congress always... Well, the man, the, one of the men who was the primary uh, drafter of this bill was Bob Corker. And Bob Corker will go down in history, not as a footnote, but one of the great appeasers in American history. And one of the great violators of the Constitution in American history. He worked in a bipartisan fashion. You see, that's what's so exciting. It's bipartisan. To give Obama everything he wanted. And Obama worked to give the Iranians everything they wanted. And that's why we are where we are. Excellent call, my friend. I appreciate it. All right, folks, we'll be right back. of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, there's a, there's a problem out there. When I say things to you on the radio... I mean, I do speak in plain English, right? It's not broken English. It's not my second language. I use real words. I complete sentences. So there was a report out there that uh, that I said that uh, Donald Trump sold us out. If Donald Trump goes along with the leftist agenda... On immigration and amnesty, he will have sold us out. That's exactly what I said. I also said I have hope that he'll move back, which he seems to be doing. I would encourage people in my business who take quotes that the Lib Media and others like CNN use about me 
to first get the facts. That's number one. Number two, there's a particularly putrid individual by the name of Joan Walsh. So putrid, she was fired by MSNBC, immediately hired by CNN. So that tells you plenty. And she was apparently asked if she would rather live in Haiti or Norway. And she wouldn't answer. She said she didn't know, I guess, was her answer. She didn't know. That shows you what a dishonest human being she is. So many people from Haiti have come to America... And I know some people from Haiti, and they are lovely, lovely, wonderful people. In fact, there's a woman from Haiti that I would argue and consider really a part of our family. That has nothing to do with whether or not Haiti is a hellhole. And that's what, that's what Trump was saying, that it's a hellhole. It is a hellhole. Not because the people, the government's a disaster. Their economy is a disaster, and on and on and on. You're going to deny that? And yet, that's what we're told to do. We have to deny that. That we have to deny that. And by the way, we're also told the president referred to other countries as well. So he's got Democrats and liberals that he's dealing with in these meetings on immigration, and they look for any opportunity to cut him off at the knees. But then this putrid individual, Joan Walsh. I don't know. I've never met her. I've never talked to her. On CNN, she had this to say. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. I, I would agree. I can hear April in my ear saying, yes, that is wrong. These are white nations, and this is a racially discriminatory approach to the yeah. world. It's also wanting to cast out people who've made homes here and have done very well here because they happen to be brown. And finally, it's happening. All right, let, let, let's, let's stop. I'm so sick of this narrative to cast people out because they happen to be brown. Who said that? Who said that? So now, if you uphold the immigration laws voted on by both Democrats and Republicans alike, if you uphold the immigration laws that Barbara Jordan talked about, and we played her clip, that Harry Reid talked about, that Bill Clinton talked about, so many have talked about rationally, now it's because you want to throw brown people out. Is that what the law is? Is that what we say? Uphold the law to throw brown people out? This coming from the whitest woman I have ever seen. She's almost transparent like Chris Matthews. Go ahead. What he was dealing with today, two days ago, he made the mistake of saying he wanted to craft a bill of love on immigration. He wanted he would sign anything that they brought to him. He's been getting hammered in the right wing media for the that last two days. And Coulter, really? Laura Ingram, Mark Levin. They are oh. going after him. This is him turning around. He's got the megaphone now, and he's shouting to his base. These are S house whole countries. I hear you, and I'm not going to. And gonna we're going to. Yeah. See, this is sick. This is how the progressive mind works. They've got spaghetti for brains. Now, she's right in one sense in a perverse way. I've told you. That we need to keep the pressure on to move the president back it has nothing to do with Haiti or anything of the sort. I don't know how many people come here from Haiti. I don't have the foggiest idea. I don't even really care. I'm looking at the numbers overall. Overall. Either follow the rules or you don't. You follow the rules or you don't. And apparently, we're not supposed to. So my objection is, uphold the law and follow your campaign promise. 
president isn't a sellout unless he, in fact, does sell out. And the art of the deal sounded like a sellout to me the other day. That's what I said. They also said it's up to you and me to get engaged now, to get involved now. We have this gang of six. They like to call themselves gangs. Isn't it funny? These stuck-up, elitist politicians. We're the gang of six. You're not the gang of anything. You're a bunch of circle nerds. But three Republicans, three Democrats. You want to hear who the three Republicans are? Jeff Flake, Lindsey Graham, and Cory Gardner. Tell me, do you think anything good's going to come out of that? Those aren't even the Democrats. They aren't even the Democrats. Now, many of the people who fled some of these countries, like Haiti, they fled them to get out of the hellhole. The hellhole. Many of the refugees who come here and want to come here, they're fleeing to get out of a hellhole. You know, like Syria, there's a hellhole. Like Cuba, there's a hellhole. Like Venezuela, there's a hellhole. Oh, what, are you against these people? No, as a matter of fact, I'm actually for these people. I actually wish these regimes that rule over these people weren't corrupt. I actually wish they believed in liberty and individualism and the kind of principles that we have. I actually believe that if our civil society can be transformed into, uh, that if, if their civil society can be transformed into our civil society, you would have a wonderful, wonderful burst of humanity. Rather than the progressives who wish to look around the world and copy centralized regimes, the outcomes are a disaster. So Joan Walsh doesn't care about Haitians. Joan Walsh doesn't care about Cubans. Joan Walsh doesn't care about North Koreans or Iranians or any of the rest. She cares about their governments, which she seems to support. Which she seems to support. We've got to challenge these people. We're the ones who are for humanity, liberty, the rule of law. We are the ones, not people like Joan Walsh. I just wanted to point that out. President of the United States will do whatever the President of the United States wants to do. I have a different role, and my role is to try and convince him through you to come back, to come back. You've got other hosts out there who are dancing on pins and doing tight walks and doing whatever they do. I don't get it. That's their problem. That's up to them. But I call them as I see them. And that's what you should do when you have a microphone. I am convinced that what you want from a talk show host on radio, on TV, on podcasting or whatever, is somebody you know, whether you agree with them or disagree with them, who has integrity on these issues, who has some principles, who isn't a chameleon, who isn't going to bounce around. You know, last year I said, don't want to hear it. What are you saying today? And who's seriously looking at these things and trying to address them. Not play you. Not play you. Like on this Iran deal. You're going to hear people tomorrow start talking about the Iran deal who have ignored it the entire week. Then they'll say, like I said last week. Well, you didn't say anything last week. Let us go to Ravi, San Diego, California, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hi, Mark. Thank you very much for focusing on this very important issue of the uh, Iran nuclear deal. 
and the, and the need you. to cancel it. Yeah. Um, I, I wrote. I, I, I heard yesterday your, your segment where you mentioned that a number of the conservative uh, online papers did not um, do enough to mention uh, the importance of the, the, this, the whole issue with Iran deal, the need to cancel it, and kind of like ignoring it. Um, uh, I, I wrote an article on American Thinker detailing reasons, uh, many of which you probably have mentioned, why the Iran nuclear deal must be canceled uh, and not just "quote unquote" fixed by President Trump. All right, why don't you talk to us? And tell us some of your reasons. Okay. Um, well, uh, Iran currently operates uh, a number of nu- a number of sites that are highly suspected of being uh, nuclear sites. Um, uh, there, are, there are different groups. The Isra- Israeli uh, officials have mentioned that, and um, and there's I think uh, six sites, two headquarters and four sites that are high, uh, with a high degree of confidence are suspected of being. Uh, nuclear, military nuclear sites, and Ayatollah Khomeini said that all military sites in Iran, without exception, are off limits to inspectors. So this whole thing. Let, is let's make this abundantly clear. Under the deal, they're supposed to be on limits, and they're supposed to be inspected, including snap inspections. The Iranians have unilaterally said no snap inspections of them, no inspections of them whatsoever. So they're obviously doing things there, as you're pointing out. Right, and, and there's absolutely zero oversight. So anyone that says that the deal actually keeps Iran from from uh, getting to the nu- nuclear nuclear arsenal and nuclear the nuclear bomb is actually it's the opposite because what it does is that it allows Iran to remain sanction free as, as or largely sanction free uh, under JCPOA, the Iranian nuclear deal. Uh, so Iran is getting all these extra funds, all this extra money that they could use to actually uh, support their nuclear program. And it's uh, basically being shielded. The, 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 in, in a sense, the Iran nuclear deal is shielding their nuclear program by, by uh, you know, the, the the international community essentially agreeing and IEA essentially agreeing to. All right, you're saying it's cover, and you're correct. And it's more than that, isn't it? Because in addition to all this, in addition to all they've received, now they can do business with Boeing <coughs> Corporation, do business with the. Um, uh, with uh, South Korea, do business, which does a lot of business with Iran, do business with uh, with uh, with Europe, what we used to call Western Europe, and so forth, and do it legitimately. All right, Ravi, I appreciate it. I'll check out your article. I I'm sure it's absolutely excellent based on your call. Thank you. We'll be right back. Lovin. Joan Walsh, and most people don't know on this program, I barely know her. She's attacking Laura Ingram and Coulter and me. Now, what do we all have in common, Mr. Producer? We're all blondes. It's obvious. Now, these liberal Democrats tell us over and over and over again, as well as the the, uh, Amnesty Republicans, they tell us over and over again, you can't return these people back to their country. You can't send them back to Mexico or Haiti or whatever. You can't send them back to Honduras, the crime, the poverty, the disease. How many times have we heard that, Mr. Producer? Over and over and over again. Isn't that the definition of a hellhole? Hey, you can't send them back. My God, what are they going to do? The gangs and the crime and the poverty and widespread disease. There's no way out. That's why they're coming to beautiful America. Well, that's a hellhole. Hey, what are you, racist? 
Well, what are you defunding? Hey, what are you, racist? And now they want it to be racial. They want it to be racial. So if the president had called all these people, and he didn't, deplorables, what would the left say about that? Wow, well, what's your racist? Now they call us deplorables. Well, you know, because you're you're deplorable. Pretty much, right? Yes, yes, the hypocrisy is just uh, streaming all over them, as far as I'm concerned. Nancy Pelosi, who I believe needs a very thorough psychiatric exam, at her weekly press briefing today on DACA. Nancy Pelosi is a racist, and I'm going to prove it to you right now. Cut, one, go. I would say of that McCarthy, the four, four, the five white guys, I call them, you know. Um, Let's just stop. This is a joke, the five white guys. (laughs) This, from Ms. Translucent, with the eyeballs popping out of her head from the endless number of facelifts, no doubt about it. Just saying, since she wants to talk about physical characteristics. So here we have somebody. She calls it the five white guys, as I call them, and everybody laughs. What's so funny about that? Why is that a laugh line? Why is pointing to somebody's race a laugh line? Why is it that pointing to one person's race is appalling and pointing to another person's race is a laugh line? When did that happen? In this sick, progressive world. Go ahead. Start from the top, please. I would say of that McCarthy, the four, four, the five white guys, I call them, you know. um, (laughs) I said to you. (laughs) Beavis and Butthead. She's both of them. (laughs) Go ahead. Hamburger stand next or what? Um, the, um, Hello, stop. <laughs> Are they going to open a hamburger stand next? What does that mean, Rich? Are they going to open a hamburger stand? She's demeaning her colleagues who had the unfortunate circumstance of being born as white men with male genitalia, self-identified and biological. Are they going to open a hamburger stand next? Or what? Have you lost your mind? Where's that phony psychiatrist, Bandy Lee? Go ahead. Now, now stop. Listen to the reporters laughing. They don't even know what the hell she's talking about. <laughs> what she say? I don't know. It's hamburgers. <laughs> Go ahead. All the white reporters, by the way, 98% of them. By the way, I sent an uh, email to my buddy Stephen A. Smith earlier today. He was on the show's called First Take. I now have a TV in my little workout area where I work out with my buddy Justin, you know, for cardio and so forth. I didn't have the working TV before. Now it's up, so I watch First Take. I've watched it two days in a row now. And this guy, Max, what is that guy? Is Kempelman or something? Kellerman? His eyes bugging out of his head as he's staring at the TV camera. What is this goofball? It's your typical goofball white lib guy. May I mention his race? Sure. Going to run a hamburger stand. Stares into the camera like he loves himself. So predictable. Now, Stephen A. is unpredictable. That's why I like the guy. And I do. I consider him a friend. 
I'm watching this thing go on here, and they're talking about the Rooney Rule, Mr. Producer, in America. The Rooney Rule is that these, as I understand it, not that I'm an expert on it or care to be, is that these owners and their senior management have to interview minority candidates for coach positions before they hire somebody. Isn't that right? So they go through the motions, I guess, of hiring. Okay, look at that. We're good liberals. Let's do the interview. We interviewed this guy. We interviewed this guy. We got a black guy, a brown guy, a yellow guy, a couple of white guys. We'll hire that guy. Something like that. And I got to thinking, do we have a Rooney rule for the commissioner of the NFL? Do they have a Rooney rule where they have to interview minority candidates or should? No. They pick literally the whitest guy they can find and they make him the commissioner. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But why isn't there a Rooney rule for that goofball? All right, I'm not done with Nancy. (laughs) We'll be right back. This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. We think we've figured Nancy out. Being the psychiatrist that we are and the psychotic that she is. But first, a new movie about Winston Churchill, which I told you I love, Darkest Hour, you really ought to go see it, is causing renewed interest in this great leader. Well, I've got access to insight on Churchill only available from Hillsdale College. My friend Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale, he's the world's leading scholar on Churchill. Did you know that? Is a fantastic piece about the three lessons we can learn from Churchill. And it's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Did you know that Britain once stood alone against the power of Nazi Germany? Well, Dr. Arn tells the uh, inspiring story about Churchill's wise courage and what it teaches us. No one knows these great Churchill stories better than Larry Arn. In fact, the official biography of Winston Churchill... It's published by Hillsdale College Press. But this piece appears in Imprimus, Hillsdale's free speech digest with 3.7 million readers. It's one of the most widely read publications in the country with a larger circulation than the New York Times. Thank God for that, by the way. Read this inspiring edition. Start receiving Imprimus free every single month as part of Hillsdale's commitment to help all Americans pursue truth and defend liberty. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. What a great organization. Okay, back to Nancy. Go ahead. I would say of that McCarthy, the four, four, the five white guys, I call them, you know. I said, you're going to open a hamburger stand next or what? So we think she's talking about five guys. That's what we think she's talking about. Go ahead. um, (laughs) That could have been done four months ago. The very idea that this week they're saying, oh, why don't we get four white guys and and General Kelly. What is is with this white guy stuff? What, What is with this white stuff? What is with this racism? I, I, it's, it's, uh, does this appeal to somebody? Other than the clapping seals there, the among the press corps, to keep talking this way? 
Are Nancy Pelosi's children white? Are her grandchildren white? I think they are. Want people talking about her children and grandchildren this way? I mean, it's offensive. Whether you're black, white, brown, whatever you are, it is offensive. It undermines the whole notion of Americanism. It undermines the whole notion of the Declaration of Independence. It undermines everything that Martin Luther King said about a color-blind society. And yet, for the left, they can't stop themselves. They cannot stop themselves. Whether it's race in the 1800s and race in the 1900s or race now, they are obsessed with it. Now I read there's going to be some kind of protest at the State of the Union address that Trump gives. Did you read that, Mr. Producer? And the protest, as I understand it, they're going to wear black. Wow! How profound! They're going to wear black like it's a funeral or something, I guess. They're going to wear black. Maybe some of those Democrats should go back to the old outfit. White with the white hoods. What about that? Can we talk about that? Not can't! Talk about that, ever. Why? No. We've changed. We're different. You know, the five white guys. See that? We've changed. We flipped. Why don't you just stop talking about race? No. We gotta have a, you heard Eric Holder. We gotta have a national debate on this. On what? Let's have a national debate on liberty versus tyranny. No. Race. The left says they want to debate on race, and then they don't, because they promote racism. Oh, I see. The black is protesting sexual harassment, just like the uh, the Globes Award, right? Global Globes or whatever the hell they call it, Golden Globes and so forth. So here we have, we were told, <laughs> the, the irony is, is, is so hilarious and sickening at the same time. Here we're told by Jackie Spears, remember her? She's going to lead the effort where they're going to wear black to protest sexual harassment. She and others said sexual harassment is pervasive in Congress. So members of Congress are going to wear black to protest sexual harassment. Congress has paid settlements secretly. Congress has tolerated some of its biggest names sexually harassing for decades. It's, we're told, pervasive in Congress. It's just like Hollywood. Just like the Golden Globes. Except, rather than Oprah up there, a huge hypocrite, as Seal said, and I agree with him completely. He said, what the hell? She was buddies with Weinstein. She heard all the whispers and everything. Then she goes up there and gives this sanctimonious speech. We salute Seal. Seal, the singer, Seal. Not the clapping seals, Seal. And then we have the State of the Union, where they're going to wear black to protest sexual harassment. Wow, that'll be effective. We live in a very bizarre time, we really do. Bizarre time in so many fronts. It's even a bizarre time in this business, talk radio, to hear some conservatives, more like pseudo-conservatives. It's just weird what's going on in this country. And by the way, this psych professor, you know, the Daily Caller does some damn good reporting, I have to say. We have Ian Miles Chung, I believe, 
The psych professor who called Trump mentally impaired may not have a license to practice in her own state. Oh, do tell. The Yale University psychology, not psychiatry, I've been wrong, psychology professor who called President Trump mentally impaired appears to lack a a valid license to practice psychiatry, I guess, well, psychiatry, in her home state of Connecticut. The professor, Bandy Lee, made the headlines over the past few days, and we've talked about her a lot. She was going to come on the program, and then the publicist stepped in to censor her, to censure her. We would have so liked to talk to her. I wanted to get an analysis of myself from this uh, expert. Following Lee's comments, the American Psychiatric Association released a statement on Tuesday warning members of its profession to refrain from making public diagnoses of public figures like Trump without a proper medical exam. Yeah, that would help. You know what? What? I think you have kidney stones. How do you know? Well, I'm just watching you from, you know, a thousand miles away on TV. I think you got kidney stones. What are you talking about? Maybe you have hemorrhoids. I don't know. While you're going to examine? No, I don't need to examine you. I can already see it here. I know what's going on. Lee and her colleague responded to the issue in a piece to Politico, which they claimed it is perfectly okay to question the president's mental state because of their profession as psychiatrists. Campus Reform reports, another great outfit, that state records indicate that Lee's physician-surgeon license expired some three years ago. On May 31, 2015, no wonder the publicist didn't want her to talk to me. And that her application for reinstatement has been pending ever since. So her application's been pending for almost eight, uh, three years? Uh-oh. What do ducks do, Mr. Producer? Quack! Ducks quack, 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 quack. Uh, the publication was able to produce Lee's license details to back up the claim. In addition to her pending physician's license, the professor's controlled substance registration for practitioner license has also lapsed. Got a lot of lapsing going on here. Having expired last February 1. In other words, Lee is not legally able to prescribe medication as a medical practitioner. Too bad, because I'm convinced that Diane Feinstein needs some. Lee responded to campus reform increase, simply stating, I only need one license. She didn't clarify precisely what license she has or in which state she's registered. The D.C.'s Joe Simonson writes, The U.S. President's public meeting with Congress <coughs> shattered the narrative. Oh, okay, got it. Anyway, wouldn't you think, folks, that if somebody is touted as an expert by CNN and MSNBC and the usual conga line of leftist Praetorian Guard phony reporters, that they would look into the person's background to make sure they are the expert they claim to be. Campus reform digs into this, looks into the state records. Her license expired three years ago. On May 31, 2015, at least in Connecticut, her home state, she's had an application for reinstatement pending there for about three years. And then her license to uh, prescribe controlled substances uh, also lapsed, expired last February. 
In other words, as the Daily Caller reports here, Lee is not legally able to prescribe medication as a medical practitioner. So who exactly is she, and what exactly is she doing, and where's this license? She's also a Yale professor. Yale professor? Leah Professor, where's her license? And her license to prescribe drugs, her license, her license to practice. Where, where, where are these licenses? She says, I only need one license. Well, we all have one license. We have a driver's license. What other license? Where's her other license? I can't ask her. Because the publicist for the book she edited won't let her on my show. See, unlike Twitter and Google, ladies and gentlemen, we want to hear from the lips. We want to talk to the lips. We want to engage the lips. Maybe one of these days we'll invite Joan Walsh on the program. The only problem is it'll kill my ratings because nobody knows who the hell she is. I'll be right back. You know, the holidays might be over, but the winter just begun, didn't it? According to studies, the air indoors contains up to 100 times more pollution than the air outside. This can cause illness, allergies, and unnecessary wear and tear on your HVAC system, leading to very costly repairs. Even worse, the premature replacement of the entire system, thousands of dollars. So resolve to breathe better with filter by. What is FilterBuy? It's America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. And they are a small business, a family-owned small business in America. And they carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all ship-free, within 24 hours. Plus, they're manufactured right here in America. FilterBuy offers a multitude of MERV options, all the way up to hospital grade, so you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy-aggravating pollution while maximizing the efficiency of your system. Right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto-delivery, so you never need to think about air filters again. They come automatically. You take out the old, and you put in the new. You don't have to go to these big stores and get the parking lots and all the rest, Home Depot, Lowe's, on and on and on. Save money. Save time. Breathe better with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy, FilterBuyBUI.com, FilterBuy.com. I know you're going to love it. I am now a new member myself. Wonderful, wonderful sponsor. Well, Rand Paul thinks we don't have enough money in this country to build a border wall. You know, what with trillions and trillions of dollars and redistribution of wealth and so forth. So here he comes out because he, truth be told, favors not open borders, but quasi-open borders. He is, after all, libertarian. Cut five, go. Are you in favor, uh, Senator, of uh, spending $18 billion, that's in the proposed budget, on a border wall along the U.S.-Mexico border? And whatever happened to President Trump's promise that Mexico would pay for it? Well, whatever happened to a real journalist like you, breathing heavily like you need uh, an iron lung? Wolf. The hell calls her son Wolf? Wolf. Is that one F or two Fs, Wolf? Go ahead. Well, you know, I remain a fiscal conservative even on the wall. So okay, I'm here a... we go with a lecture that he's a fiscal conservative even on the wall. And even when it comes to the military. 
Wow, that $18 billion in a $4.1 trillion budget, that's really going to kill us off. The damn federal government wastes that money every month. But he's a fiscal conservative. Go ahead. Spending 20, 30, 40 billion dollars on a wall. I'm still a believer that we don't have money to spend. We're 700 billion dollars in the hole. I heard from uh, somebody the other day that said we built 2,700 miles of concrete barriers on our interstates. You know, all those noise control barriers. We've done that for 2 billion. So well, I think the- guess what? They have ladders and they'll pop right over that, Rand. You know that. Do you know that, Rand? You should know that. Of course you know that. Go ahead. Should be debated, and I think we can have barriers, and we will have barriers in certain places. I think we should also use technology, which is less expensive. All right, that's enough. Can't take it anymore. The goal is to secure the border, Mr. Paul, because the expense. You see, you're fiscal conservative. You ought to look at these border towns and border states. You say you're fiscal conservative. You ought to look at some of these school systems, how they're going broke, and hospitals and all the rest. You say you're a fiscal conservative. You say you're a constitutionalist. Well, we need to uphold our immigration laws. And in order to uphold our immigration laws, we need law and order. So this is a priority, and this is one of the things the federal government's supposed to do. Why, are the states going to build a border wall? So this is all BS. He doesn't really want it, in my humble opinion. Lamone, Memphis, Tennessee, Sirius Satellite. How are you, sir? Yes, thanks, Mark. How you doing? Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Uh, yes, sir. I, I'm serious. Is it Lamont or Lamont? Lamont. I'm sorry. I'm, I realized that after I said it. All right, Lamont. Go right ahead. Not a problem at all, sir. Okay. Um, I, like I said, I just wanted to just to tell you, like I said, I 100% agree with you on this border wall and this amnesty. It's, it's excuse me. Excuse me. What, excuse me. You're not one of one white five guys, are you? No, I'm one of uh, one black guy here in Memphis that probably uh, supports Trump. So, uh, but just want to make sure. Just want to make sure, sir. Now go right ahead. Well, and that's that's another thing too that you touched on earlier about the Democrats and their um, constant bringing up of race and in everything, and it's it's just sickening to me and a lot of other black people that they try to placate to us. And and one thing. Just, let me, let me ask you a question. I'm serious about this, Lamont. In, in in your circle, are there black people that get up and make fun of black people? Yes. And their and their skin? They make fun of their skin color? I mean, it, it is just ridiculous. It is it's ridiculous. And, and like I said, but, but is is there something funny about this that I'm I'm quite that I'm missing? No, it's not. It, it's not. I mean, it's not. And it, like I say, it's. It's offensive to, to me to hear that because, again, you know it's not sincere uh, mm-hmm. that she's saying that. She's saying that for votes and for the cameras and, and whoever else. And that's what all these Democrats do. They're going to say whatever they need to say uh, to try to placate to um, blacks and uh, Hispanics and whoever else just for a vote. But they don't mean it. It's just to keep them in, the pow- in power. And we know that. It's the same thing with um, – and, and let me ask you a question. We're running out of time. They say they're going to wear black – at the State of the Union to protest against sexual harassment. I have a better idea. You want to hear it? We were told that it's pervasive sexual harassment. Here's my suggestion. The sexual harassers, most of whom apparently are males, ought to keep their pants on. That would be a good protest, don't you think, Lamont? 
Yes, sir. And all we got to do is just tell them that uh, wearing black is offensive to black people because it uh, makes people think black is evil. There you go. All right. Call again. I really appreciate your call, my friend. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. See you on the radio tomorrow. Check out Levin TV, and God bless you.